Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Buckle up, strap yourself in, and get ready. Welcome to the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Emails are uh, rolling in to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Do you know what Justin Trudeau forgot? Yes, I do. He forgot to mention Alberta. Cut him some slack. It's Canada Day. Went through all the provinces, territories, and forgot Alberta. Hello, everybody, and a happy Canada Day, 150th anniversary. I was around for the, no, not the first one. But the 100th for the centennial, I was in my late teens when uh, Expo 67 rolled around. And I'll tell you, it was a great place to be. Wonderful party time in Montreal. And um, had no idea, really didn't think about the 150th. And here we are. Still a magnificent country, country with, with issues, yes. But far fewer than many other nations in the world. And overall, I can't think of any place I'd rather be any place I'd rather be in, I would think. That applies to all of us. We're going to be talking uh, in a little while with a um, very proud Canadian citizen who at 16 years of age was imprisoned in the notorious Evan prison in Tehran. Marina Namat was born in uh, Iran in 1965. And after the revolution, the uh, Iranian revolution, she was imprisoned, she was tortured, she was threatened with execution. She was still a teenager. And uh, now she lives in Canada, very proud Canadian. In 2007, she received the inaugural Human Dignity Award from the European Parliament after she wrote um, Prisoner of Tehran. That was her first book. In 2009, she wrote the second one, After Tehran, Life Reclaimed. So we'll talk to Marina in a little bit. We had a conversation um, when I first came into the radio station. When did it change from Dominion Day to Canada Day? When did that happen? And I thought it was right around the early 90s, or 80s rather. So we checked it out. And here's a, you'll enjoy this. This is from the Ottawa Citizen. At 4 o'clock on Friday, July the 9th, 1982, the House of Commons was almost empty. The 13 parliamentarians taking up space in the 282-seat chamber were by most accounts half asleep as they began private members' hour. But then one of the more wakeful liberals noticed the Tory MPs were slow to arrive in the chamber. Someone, exactly who has never been firmly identified, remembered Bill C-201, a private member's bill from Hal Hébert, the liberal MP from Vaudreuil, Quebec, that had been gathering dust ever since it had received first reading two years earlier. 
an act to amend the Holidays Act, which proposed to change the name of the July 1st national holiday from Dominion Day to Canada Day. So they voted, and the whole process took five minutes. And the MPs celebrated by declaring an early end to the session at 4.05 p.m. They said, it's only appropriate that as celebrating our new holiday called Canada Day, we should at least take a holiday of 55 minutes this afternoon. So, uh, July the 9th, 1982, we switched from Dominion Day to Canada Day because very few MPs were in the House and the Tories were late getting there. And the Liberals passed the private member's bill. That's how it happened. Last night, I thought about how I arrived in this country. And I I never really shared the story with you. And I'm going to bore you for about five minutes and just give you a little bit of uh, one immigrant Canadian, one proud Canadian immigrant's story. My mother's uh, half-brother had paid us a visit in Switzerland shortly after my father's death. I was 13 at the time. And my mother was completely in shock over my dad's dying and wanted to leave Switzerland, but she had no interest in returning to England to live surrounded by my dad's family. There was not, shall we say, a close relationship there. So my uh, uncle, my mom's half-brother, told us wonderful stories about Canada, the place he'd called home since leaving Europe as a teen, and building a life in this country where I was convinced, by the way, that polar, polar bears hung on outside communities of igloos and constant freezing cold. I, I knew Canada was a great hockey country because I'd seen a few Canadian teams play in Europe, by no means the best or anywhere near the best in the country. There were still mostly small-town club teams touring the country, but they were still easily capable of beating Switzerland's very best at that time. Did they play soccer in Canada, I wanted to know. Yes, said my uncle. That was important to me. Soccer was my life as a kid. It didn't take much to convince my mother to sell all of our belongings and move about 4,000 miles across the North Atlantic Ocean. took a little more persuading me. I'd been leaving my buddies, my school, my favorite pro soccer teams, my entire life for this place called Canada, which, by the way, was spelled with a K in German, still is. The place with polar bears outside the igloo we'd be living in. Eventually, the parent made the final decision, and the kid did, as he was told. So off we went to the Canadian embassy. We filled out the requisite paperwork. There was much less for us than for most others who wanted to move to Canada at that time. That was because my dad was British, had served in the British military during World War II, and had been involved with the British military intelligence later on. Canada was a member of the Commonwealth, as it still is, and uh, although no longer a colony, the Brits were welcomed far more quickly here than than others. And um, we were Brits, me because my uh, dad's citizenship was passed on to me, and my mother because the moment she married my father, she became a British citizen with a weird accent, which immediately following the war found my mother in hot water more than a few times in post-war England. The English people thought that with her Germanic broken English that she must be a German Fräulein, and there was still no love lost between England and Germany at that time. She would tell the Brits she was Swiss, but would do it in German, and that didn't work out quite so well. Anyway, off we went uh, for Canada. All of our belongings were distributed among Swiss family. I don't believe they paid for anything. They just, shall we say, acquired things. And suddenly I found myself on a train heading for Germany and uh, the port where we would embark by ship for Canada. 
as so many had done for decades before us. The relationship between our Canadian Swiss family and my mother wasn't rock solid either. I think they expected we'd have more money than we did, which was essentially nothing. And so we found ourselves unceremoniously dropped off in downtown Montreal on a dreadfully cold winter's night with no idea of Montreal's geography or what to do now. So I knocked on the door of a church as my mother stood crying outside and I had a door slammed in my face. So the next option was to stop a passing police cruiser and tell the officer in my wobbly English that we needed help. Well, once established that we had no address, no home, nowhere to go, he drove us to a Salvation Army shelter for the homeless, and that's where I spent my first night in Montreal, sleeping in a bunk bed in a room with a bunch of other boys about my age who had no place to call home either. My mother was in a room with a number of women who were also homeless. We stayed at the homeless shelter for a few weeks, I think, after which we qualified for social assistance. Uh, my uncle's family, which had signed a 10-year agreement to take care of us, was out of the picture now. And my mother and I were assigned a very small apartment in a dingy building on the rough side of Montreal. The Salvation Army dropped off some furniture, basics, and there we were. Monthly welfare check was 75 bucks. Rent was 73. The fridge was usually bare, and I mean bare. In school, my teacher who somehow became aware of my mother's and my situation, sent me out of the classroom so he could ask my classmates to bring in canned food the next day so my mother and I would have something to eat. I was embarrassed. I was hugely grateful to receive a large box of food. The fridge in the $73 monthly apartment received its first tenants. I attended school and had some serious catching up to do. Canada used to be the imperial system, or used the imperial system of measurement in those days, not kilometers, and uh, I'd been used to the metric system in Europe. No one knew we'd eventually go metric in Canada right about when I became comfortable with Imperial. And so it went. I passed grade seven. I went to high school. I failed to change schools. I failed the school year again, but was moved ahead after I walked into the principal's office and told him I was through with school, that I could make more money on the streets than he did in his office. I'd become a bit of a rough-around-the-edges kid living in a very tough area of Montreal. And we learned the fine art of negotiation, not with a pen. In uh, high school, my second high school, I met a very pretty girl in grade nine. I had no idea she'd become my wife quite a few years later. I worked at a radio station called CKGM. Some of you from Montreal who are, um, you know, around my age would remember. It was a top 40 radio station. And I spun records. I got 50 bucks for a nine-hour shift, 18 hours if the relief operator didn't show up. And my first on-air break came at 16 when the announcer showed up late and a little wobbly. He'd stopped at a few establishments on the way, and I called the general manager and said, uh, so-and-so is not well. And he said, who else is there? And I said, just me. And he said, tag, you're it. And I've been it ever since. So we started to do a little better financially, and my $400 a month from the radio station helped a lot. I started to really like Montreal as I became more active and roamed the streets with my pals. One of our habits was to watch the Habs play at the Forum on Saturday night, the ones I wasn't working. We'd jump the turnstiles and head off into the cavernous back halls where the ushers weren't too enthusiastic about chasing a dozen big and noisy kids. And I joined the RCNR... It was quite an experience. Talked about that a few times on the air. Started doing okay at school. I got my high school diploma, 
began working full-time. There was no money for university. At 21, I was the music director and really the program director of CJFM Radio. At 24, I headed off to Calgary and CHQR, now News Talk 770. I fell in love with the Rockies and the spectacular scenery, but I missed Montreal, the nightlife. I was still in my early 20s, so I stayed a year and then headed back to, uh, to Montreal. No job for a few months, and as the money was running out, there came the job offer from CHML in Hamilton. From the legendary Tom Darling, who warned me, don't do anything in this city that you don't want me to know about. I had no plan to stay in Hamilton. I was going to go back to Montreal once I had enough money in my jeans. Yet I stayed year after year, building a life and a career and an abiding love for the country which had become my home. I'd become a Canadian citizen and never wanted to live anywhere other than Canada. And opportunity was always there to do what you wanted to do and accomplish what you said in your heart and in your mind. So I stayed at CHML and then uh, what was then called CKDS, the FM radio station, and uh, eventually switched from music to talk radio, which initially was a nightmare. No phone calls. But uh, things started to work out, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. I've been fortunate to experience success in the broadcast industry and uh, received a number of significant awards. I always appreciated that. I've done more than 70,000 interviews, including with six prime ministers, many premiers, world-class athletes, bad guys and good guys. I aired programs from inside Canadian prisons, speaking with inmate committee members, the honor of being asked to moderate the memorial service for Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey by Leslie's mother, Debbie Mahaffey. And I served on the CORCAN Advisory Board within Correctional Service Canada after being asked to do that by the Federal Minister for Public Safety. I walked the beach off San Diego interviewing the former Premier of Quebec and the architect of Bill 101, Robert Bourassa, the week following the 1995 Quebec referendum on Quebec seceding from Canada. That was a surreal experience. And on the first anniversary of 9-11, I hosted a chorus radio network broadcast of that horrific event in New York City at WOR Radio. There are hundreds, probably thousands of additional experiences, like initiating a Remembrance Day broadcast at the Cenotaph of the City of Hamilton, carrying the entire 11th hour ceremony outside no matter the weather. It was such an honor to be standing with the veterans whose memories on that day must have been beyond what most of us could possibly comprehend. Yeah, I was here for Canada's first centennial in 1967, a very young man in pursuit of a party. And boy, did I find it at the incredible Expo 67. Today, it's a different world. It's fractious on the edge, quite capable of mutually assured destruction. I've heard politicians deride and insult their own in the pursuit of votes. I've also experienced and witnessed the kindness and the generosity of people in Canada. So there's a little bit of a, a walk through my time in this country, I feel so blessed and I feel so privileged to be a, a member of the Canadian family. I applied, I was accepted, and honestly, I've tried to do my best to, to live up to that, uh, to that privilege of being a Canadian every day after that. So that's what I wanted to start with today. When we come back, I have something else to share with you. Stay with us on The Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Happy Canada Day. <laughs> 